In this edition of Locked On Capitals, I am joined by John Walton, play-by-play voice of your Washington Capitals next on this edition of Locked On Capitals. Your Locked On Capitals, your daily podcast on the Washington Capitals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into this edition of Locked On Capitals. I'm so glad you decided to join me today. As always, this podcast is free and available on all the major platforms. And I want to thank you for making this your first listen or view of the day. Yes, this podcast is also available in video form. So head on over to YouTube and check it out. And when you're on YouTube, make sure and hit the subscribe button. And if you like the videos, hit the thumbs up button. It really helps grow the channel. My name is Dan Holmey. You can find me on Twitter. It's at DanCaps218. You can find the show on Twitter. It's at LockedOnCaps. So in this edition, I am joined by John Walton, the radio play-by-play voice of your Washington Capitals. As you know, he's also done the play-by-play for the Olympics. He's also filled in for Joe B on the TV side. So just a really great conversation with John Walton as we talk a little Caps and a little bit about his career next. All right. So on this edition of Locked On Capitals, I'm happy to say that we have John Walton joining the show from Caps This Morning uh, podcast and the voice of your Washington Capitals. John, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, it's good to be with you. Thanks for having me. So when we take a look at this net minding tandem of the Washington Capitals, if you take a look at last year, it was Vitek Vanacek and Ilya Samsonov. Inconsistent would be the theme, I would say, for this team. How much better is this team now with a Darcy Kemper, Charlie Lindgren tandem? I think it's pretty fair to say that they are going to be better than they were a year ago. I think Darcy Kemper has been one of the more consistent goaltenders in the NHL over the last half dozen seasons. And the Capitals getting certainly the best guy available and bringing him here after winning a Stanley Cup. So I think the expectation is that he will be easily the number one and carry the lion's share of the workload. The Capitals only have nine back-to-backs all season. So it is possible with good health that Darcy Kemper could really put up a lot of games played if he was called upon. Charlie Lindgren is as someone who spent more time at the AHL level than anywhere, but I think that he's outgrown the AHL from those that I've talked to and is able to step into that second position with this team. And you're right. I mean, the inconsistency of the goaltending last year was the reason to essentially do a cold reboot here and start it all over again. And it is unusual that you would take both goaltenders, especially two that you drafted one in the first round and one in the second round and that you would look to turn the page completely. But I think for those who looked at this team last year, the goaltending killed them and they had to do something different. Uh, The market for Vanacek was the devils were willing to make them or make him rather, if not, you know, on the NHL roster, maybe even the number one, given what they paid him, certainly he's going to be in the running to be the number one in New Jersey. So a fresh start for him. Ilya Samsonov is going to be in a pressure cooker environment in Toronto and trying to jumpstart his career again. So very interesting to see how that's going to go for them. I think the Capitals are in a much better position than they were a few weeks ago. And I think here at the end of the Alex Ovechkin era, that's what they need. They have to get the goaltending. 
And a healthy Darcy Kemper is certainly the guy that can get that done. Yeah, I was, it was either your show or on NHL Network, they were talking about that, that Darcy Kemper will be the netminder for the Capitals pretty much through the duration of the Alex Ovechkin years. So that was a real sign by Brian McClellan that he wanted to solidify a position that uh, was inconsistent, shall we say. And uh, Mac got a lot of grief uh, during last season for his not handling the net mining situation. I think that ultimately he did what he could do. Uh, There just weren't a lot of options available, but take a look at what he did here. He really swung for the fences and connected by getting Stanley Cup winner Darcy Kemper and Charlie Lindgren. Um, The question is, is, do you think that they had someone in Hershey that could have fit the role uh, of a backup? You know, the name that comes to mind for me is Zach Fucale, uh, a player that played rather well for the Bears last year in his brief stint with the Capitals. Could they have had a cheaper option in in Zach Fucale on the Capitals? Uh, Maybe. Uh, There's not a whole lot of cost difference between he and Lindgren. Lindgren's a little bit more, but... I think Pukali gives them organizational depth as a very solid option. I think with Phoenix Copley now departing the organization, Zach is going to be the number one in Hershey. I don't think there's any doubt there. And he will certainly, I, in very good chance that he sees some time here, uh, just because uh, any injury or any setback to either one of these guys, I don't think they feel very comfortable in being able to call him up. So, it's certainly possible over the course of the next little while. I mean, if he's able to come up and show himself, I, you know, he had a very limited role last year, most notably shutting out the Red Wings in Detroit in his first NHL start. But I think that, you know, they've established something that they've got to have. You can't just have the guys at the NHL level. You got to have that third guy down to the farm that you feel that you can call up and get you a win if you need to. And I think Zach Pucali is going to be that guy. Yeah, and, you know, it was rumored out there for a long time where there was links that it was going to be Darcy Kemper on this team. And uh, a lot of people are like, well, Darcy Kemper won't come to the Capitals. And and to those people, I always said, why not? They won the Cup in 2018. They always make it to the playoffs. In 57 games for Colorado in 21-22, Kemper went 37-12-4 with a .921 save percentage and a 2.54 goals against so on paper, he seems to have fixed what ails this Capitals team in net. And uh, it would be interesting to say, and I know this is a lot of Monday morning quarterback, what this team would have done if they would have had a better netminder in net. But there are some causes of concern for me um, with Kemper is he had that hell, has that eye injury where he, um, I believe he took, uh, he took a puck to the eye there and against the Predators. And uh, he had to do this um, where he had to retrain his eye how concerned are you about Camper? You got to think that the Capitals medical staff uh, took a look at his medicals and, and gave him the green light. Yeah, I don't think there's any concern there. I mean, I think he's you know, at an age too where he's kind of been there, done that, but he's also young enough to be able to rebound physically. I don't think there's a lot of concern there. I think that when Kemper had the opportunity to look around because there certainly were a lot of teams that were looking for goaltending this summer. And I do think it speaks pretty well to the caps that especially a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs, who in theory are in the middle of the life cycle. And we've got to be honest, the capitals are more toward the end of the Ovechkin era and the rock, the red era, whatever we want to call it here. I mean, you make the playoffs for as many years in a row as the capitals have done you've only got so much, so much life there before you're, you know, doing the reboot and moving on. So 
I think that when he saw the opportunity, I'm sure playing with Alex Ovechkin was part of it. I think a team that, you know, gets the support that this team does. Uh, You've got a lot of good veterans here that can score. You've got a pretty good defensive core. Uh, There are, you know, everybody's getting older here, but at the same time, I mean, Dmitry Orlov and Nick Jensen came into their own and formed a a really nice shutdown pair for this team. Martin Farabari's come a long way. You know, I think the third pair with Justin Schultz departing, I think we'll see, you know, Eric Gustafson or maybe others. We'll see. But, uh, you know, somebody's going to challenge to get that 5-6 role. I thought Trevor Van Riemsdyk had a really nice year last year, and he's very versatile in that third pair. He can play either side. So I think when you evaluate it from a goaltending perspective, I think there's a lot to like here. And, you know, having some championship swagger, they don't have a lot of that in Toronto. I think that may have factored into his decision and, you know, it's certainly nice to have him here. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, there were some positions around this team, Um, you know, the Tom Wilson injury, that's a big one. Uh, Tom Wilson is a bit of a four leaf clover. You can't just replace him with anyone. So the Washington Capitals went out and picked up Connor Brown, Uh, Connor Brown, um, who had played the last seven NHL seasons for the Leafs and Senators, scored 10 goals with 29 assists and 64 games played last season. He posted a career-best 21 goals, which he did in the 2021 season with Ottawa. So Connor Brown looks like a good uh, replacement for Tom Wilson, a Band-Aid, if you will. Um, What were your thoughts on picking up Connor Brown? Because there was a lot of people talking about, well, who's going to fill his shoes? Is it going to be Mantha on that top line? Who fills in, or do you think it's Connor Brown's job? I think Connor Brown on opening night is probably going to be second line right wing. And I think that when, and this assumes good health for everybody, but, and given TJ Oshie's year last year, it it is perhaps a little bit of a stretch, but I think that as long as TJ is healthy, TJ will start out in the number one spot. He plays with Kuznetsov and Ovechkin. And Connor Brown has an opportunity in coming to Washington to be in the top six. And should he perform the way they hope he will, he's not Tom Wilson, for sure, to your point. But I think he's a really nice fill-in in the top six in the meantime. And if all goes well, and Oshie's able to stay healthy, and Wilson comes back at midseason, the right side on this team looks really good. Because you could have Wilson one, Brown two, Oshie could be two or three. You can interchange those guys however you want. Maybe Brown's the three. And then Garnet Hathaway is the four. So I think that is the strongest position up and down the lineup as far as the forwards are concerned. I think Brown's a great pickup. Uh, and to be able to you know bring somebody with that kind of NHL pedigree, he doesn't have to come here and outperform his numbers that he had in Ottawa or Toronto. He just has to come here and do what he does. And I think he'll be a very nice replacement in the meantime to try and get the caps through what essentially could be as many as three months before Tom Wilson's ready to go. All right. So after the break here, we are going to continue to talk to John Walton about the state of the Washington Capitals. What is What are his thoughts about these new acquisitions on the team? Are they really going to help them out? And where do they fit into this lineup? But first, betonline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts that have you covered 
Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, one of the articles I was reading uh, doing prep for this show is the lack of grit on this team now. Uh, Tom Wilson, um, you know, he brings a lot to this game, he brings a physical presence. Uh, he's often talked about in the league outside of Washington, of course, as a goon. But not many goons score 20-plus goals. Ryan Reeves, I'm talking to you out there. Um, so who fills in for his uh, role? Uh, do you think this would be a good spot for Beck Malenstein of the Bears to come in? Because, you know, they are missing a bit of that grit. They do have Hathaway out there. Uh, Anthony Mantha is a bigger frame, but he's not intrinsically a tough guy per se. Who fills in for that grit uh, that Tom Wilson brought? Well, Malachi's intriguing. I mean, I think that, you know, when we get to camp, I think the real question and maybe the bigger picture among the forwards is, uh, is there going to be any room for younger guys as a whole, whether it's Malenstein, actually Anson Fialbi, Connor McMichael, Henrik Slapierre. I mean, they've got four guys that legitimately could make a case coming out of camp for making the big club. But will you have the room compared to the other veterans that you've brought in? I mean, no Nick Backstrom. We know that. Uh, so as Strom slides in to potentially be 2C, that keeps Lars Eller in the right chair at 3C and Dowd at 4C. I think you've got, you know, what you think the lineup's going to be there. But there was talk even prior to the Strom acquisition, you know, Brian McClellan had talked about McMichael and LaPierre and internal options, as he said, uh, to be able to maybe try one of those guys out to hold over until Backstrom hopefully was ready sometime in the second half into the season. And now you wonder whether or not even a guy like Connor Sherry might even bump down and maybe he's on the wing on the fourth line. I mean, if everything goes according to plan, I mean, if you come down the middle and if you like some of those young options, it's there's a lot to look at here as, as the forwards go. And I think there's going to be, with every preseason game, there's going to be a lot of interest in where guys go and how they perform because this lineup in some places, not all, but in some places could be shaped very differently in, uh, you know, in game two of the preseason versus – when you get to opening night, I think Peter Laviolette's going to have a lot to try on and see if he likes it. And, you know, I think those determinations will be made in that 10 day window by the time you get to the opener against Boston. So one of the other big acquisitions out there, and this was kind of the marquee thing that happened was Dylan Strom that you referred to. Uh, he is slated to be the second line center in Backstrom's um, replacement while he's gone. Um, what are your thoughts on Dylan Strom? It seems like a really solid pickup. The Capitals, you know, going out and signing him, $3.5 million deal. Um, uh, he seemed to play really well. He dished 22 goals and 26 assists on, in 69 games. Seems like a lot of upside to signing Dylan Strom. He can also play wing. Um, seems like a solid pickup. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a terrific move. It's relatively low risk because of the length of the deal. But I think when you look at where this team is in the first half of the year, and as you get into the second half, I mean, there's a, still a lot of salary cap constraints here that may be looked at by the time you get to Christmas, New Year's, all-star break, because you're going to have a better sense at that point of where Nick Backstrom is. But I think this move right here. And now was as good as you could have possibly done at the position, bringing a 20 goal scorer 
on relatively low term and not even a whole lot of money. Uh, Strom's career has always been kind of interesting to me because, and I say this only as you know, someone from afar. I've, it's the first time I've really been around him or seen him or or watched him play every day when the season gets started. But you know, here's a guy who's a third overall pick. Mitch Marner is a guy picked behind him. I think there was some feeling in Arizona like this was a miss of a pick. Uh, given the guys who were picked in front of them, the McDavid's, the Eichels, et cetera. But, you know, the the environment in Arizona, you know, things weren't, you know, that wasn't a, a environment that was going all that well at the time he was there. He's put up some numbers since he left. Uh, the Blackhawks are burning it to the ground and ripping it down to the studs here. So for them, the I think this was just saying, look, they, they, the Hawks want to be bad next year. This wasn't an indictment of him at all. Uh, they were casting guy. I mean, the same as Debrinket going to Ottawa. They're just uh, they're torching the place. I'm hoping that it's the Capitals who benefit here, and I think they will. I think having him as potentially, and again, thinking down the road and thinking optimistically here, uh, Eller going into the last year of a contract, there's at least a possibility you're going to need a three C. If Backstrom is able to come back and continue his career. So Strom could fit in as, boy, what a great option he'd be at 3C if, if Backstrom can return. Glass half empty if Backstrom can't. Now you've got a guy that, you know, is a 20-goal scorer and a guy that has shown a couple of times now that he can produce at the NHL level after a little bit of a slow start to his career. I think it's fantastic. And I think that I'm excited to see what he can do when the regular season gets started. I hope that Nick Backstrom is, as we hope, and we all hope sometime in the second half that he's able to get back on the ice and produce. But if not, I think they have at least partially prepared for that. And if they get to the second half of the season and, you know, you know that Backstrom isn't for some reason a possibility, then you're going to have at least a little money to play with to try and improve yourself wherever you need to. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the, the things that's a bit worrisome as a Capitals fan is Nick Backstrom. Um, you know, I hate to bring it up, but if you look at the success rate uh, from players that have come back from that procedure, it's not looking too favorable. Um, so I think it was good that they were able to to get out and get Dylan Strom. And ultimately, you know, if Nick Backstrom is able to come back, I'm sure there's going to be injury or some players that aren't playing up to their potential where uh, Strom can fit in. Uh, Mac was also uh, busy trying to solidify the blue line. They picked up Eric Gustafson. Uh, they signed him on the cheap, an $800,000 contract. So the defense is a bit of an interesting situation. You have some players that were kind of slated to get their shot. You have Lucas Johansson and Alex Alexiev, who suffered that shoulder injury. Talk to us a little bit about the blue line. What are your thoughts about what it's going to look like? I think the top two or excuse me, top four are going to be the same. But as we go down from there, it gets a little bit more interesting, shall we say. It does, uh, the third pair. I mean, you can put Faravari, Carlson, Orlov, Jensen, and Inc. in your top four for sure. I don't think, uh, barring injury, nothing's going to change there. Faravari had a really nice full, first full season. Only reason to think he's going to get bigger and better liked how physical he was last year I thought he was a great compliment to John Carlson and the offensive numbers he puts up so no reason to change that uh, Orlov and Jensen I thought performed really well together uh, not a situation you'd hesitate to put those guys out uh, the real concern after this year is how much is it going to cost to keep the band together here because a lot of guys are going to come up at the end of this season in need of new contracts, Orlov and Jensen both, for instance. So I think developing this year on that third pair is going to be 
if not crucial for the future, certainly very important. Uh, Gustafson intrigues me just because he had such a great offensive year with Chicago. He came up and out of nowhere, I mean, basically a 20-goal guy, and he's never really been able to put the offense together since then. He's washed out in Chicago, washed out in Philadelphia. I am intrigued because the Capitals have shown a knack for bringing in guys that have struggled elsewhere. I always think of Brett Connolly, who – you know, he comes up with Tampa Bay, high first round pick, doesn't work there. Goes to Boston, doesn't work there. And then comes here and was uh, a clutch performer through the Stanley Cup playoffs and ended up being a Stanley Cup champ here. The Caps like bringing in those guys. I think hockey ops, Ron McClellan, like finding those diamonds in the rough. I think in the NHL these days, with the salary cap where it is and the hard cap, you need to be able to have that ability. It's not just developing guys you've got to be able to pick out people who you believe are good citizens and also uh, you know some untapped potential that the other teams just didn't get and I think that's where your scouting staff is so important and Caps have done that pretty well so I'm intrigued to see what Gustafson can bring I know he hasn't put up a lot of numbers in the last few years and and some defensive struggles too but you know, he's cheap and, you know, he's got a chance to restart his career here. And Lucas Johansson, here's a guy who was a first round pick in 2016 and really has not had a sniff other than one game last year of even cracking the big team. Maybe he's ready. He had a really nice year. He had three straight injury filled years in Hershey before that. So health has certainly knocked his career back a lot. You'd love to think that he could step in with Van Riemsdyk and do that. But Uh, We'll see. I mean, again, these are some of the things we're going to be watching when we get to training camp. Yeah, I mean, they kind of really went out and they went for it. And, they, you know, one thing, you know, is we were kind of hard in my podcast, a little tough on Brian McClellan, thinking that he didn't address the situations. But in my previous podcast, I give him A plus marks. I mean, there wasn't really a need on this team that he didn't address. And uh, I'm looking, you know, to be a positive outlook for this next season, but I was looking on the athletic as I was preparing for this show and already uh, the, the people, the, the talking heads are always, are, they're already panning this team as not doing too well. They say that they're going to be flam out, flame out first. They're going to be another first round exit. They talked about, you know, maybe a, an early coaching change. What has changed with this team? Why? You know, if you think about it, you know, uh, this team makes it to the playoffs every year. I know they don't make it past the first round too often. But why do you think that uh, the, you know, the press and the talking heads are thinking that this team is going to make another first round exit considering the moves that they made? This is still a team with Ovechkin and Oshie and, you know, potentially Backstrom and Tom Wilson. This was a team that was revered as one of the best in the NHL for the longest time. And now people are already talking about them making another first round exit. What are your thoughts on that? So after the break here, we are going to continue to talk to John Walton about this Washington Capitals team. What are his thoughts about this team as we head towards the fall? Plus, I'll talk to him about his career and where he started. But first. Well, I mean, I think it's circle of life with hockey, though. I mean, Pittsburgh, you could say, is in that same boat. I don't think that they are. Uh, in the same place that a Carolina or the New York Rangers are. But I think in terms of the model of consistency over the course of 15 seasons now, and the Caps have only missed once in that time. And this team, I think when you look at it top to bottom, I mean, if you want to look at the team last year, I think it was different last year than it had been in previous years. 
the year after the cup, I think they were out of gas and Carolina came up and bit them. Uh, I think that the caps had a hard time making adjustments in Carolina when they weren't the visit, they were the visiting team in that series and they ended up getting bounced. Uh, the, the bubble year is whatever. I mean, I don't think that anybody, any team anywhere should be judged on what happened in that season just because of the chaotic nature of it. And then when you look at what occurred, you know, going past, you know, into, you know, a, a season with no fans, Peter Laviolette's first season here, they had a really nice regular season. I think Sedano Chara really helped on the blue line, especially for Nick Jensen. And now I think you've got a team that, yes, they are older up front, but last year this team just couldn't stay healthy. And TJ Oshie was out half the year. Brett Leeson, I don't think Brett Leeson himself would have thought he would have played half the season here, but he did. And it was out of necessity because the Caps just didn't have the horses to be able to run on most nights. They never got their optimal lineup together until after New Year's. And Nick Backstrom was never 100%. So I think it was more along the lines of they were just not a very healthy team last year. It happens. They had had such good health for so long during... 2016, 2017, and certainly 2018 when they won. But the health, they, they need some good fortune there. But I think TJ Oshie is going to be a big part of that. If he's able to play 65, 70 games, this team is going to contend for home ice. I don't know if they're going to contend for a division title. This division is very good. But as we have found a lot, I mean, think of the L.A. Kings and how they won cups. They weren't division winners either. It's all you're playing when you get to April, May, June. And the Capitals have enough guys on this team, and not just guys who've won here, but guys who have won other places that you bring in. And over the course of time, you say, all right, you just got to be playing the right way when you get to April. You just have to get in. And I'd say Pittsburgh and Washington are the two best, I think, in the NHL of get in and then we'll see what happens. The last four years, they may not have been able to get out of the first round, but that doesn't mean it won't happen this time around. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be an interesting season. You know, I think that those same people that uh, have dismissed the Capitals will do an about face when they realize that they're in the playoffs. Um, you know, just for me, if I take a look at the acquisitions, the, so them solidifying, they get Darcy Kemper, they get Connor uh, Brown, they get Strom. They really plug the holes where there were issues um, on this team. So I'm, you know, like I say, I have an optimistic look uh, for this uh, next season. One of the things that Brian McClellan talked about is these positions that we've talked about, you know, we talk about Connor Brown on the right wing and Dylan Strom, is that none of these positions are guaranteed to anyone. And uh, I guess I think that there's going to be a battle in training camp like no other. I think that, you know, Connor McMichael is going to fight for his job as a center on this team. And um, Lars Eller, who a lot of people kind of panned and said that he played his last game with the Capitals. And then all of a sudden there was the Nick Backstrom injury. Do you perceive that it's going to be a big battle in the camp this fall? Um, I, th I think that there's a lot of hungry players from the Bears that want to get their shot that had their chance last year. You, you put Hendrick Slop here in that conversation. What are your thoughts on that? I think there's a lot of ways that it can go. Uh, as we talked about before, I think if you look at on the wing, I mean, you've got some guys that can play two positions. So that's where it gets muddied a little bit. I mean, McMichael played the wing here last year. He also played at center. I think McMichael's biggest problem in trying to fight his way through some things last year. And at times you could see the offensive upside, but at times it was tough for him to win board battles. And I think 
how much bigger and stronger the time right now? Is he getting bigger in the weight room? Is he going to come back five to 10 heavier? Is he going to be able to muscle those guys off pucks? If so, then, you know, you've got someone who maybe has a little more versatility to play in the wing and maybe you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, maybe you like Dylan Strom there, but that doesn't rule out McMichael. I thought Henrik Lapierre was far and away the best player at camp that I saw in the scrimmage here uh, going back 10 days now. And I think that he is going to come in with a determination. I had a chance to interview him. I, he's a, a, a confident, a very nice young man. I, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. I, I think he's got a great passion for the game. I think he's going to play at this level. Where he slots in now is a question, uh, you know, still with some junior eligibility there. I'm, I'm wondering where his game's going to go. And Brian McClellan and Peter Laviolette both have mentioned, you know, over the last several months going back to the season, you know, there's some like for Alexei Protus there too. And you mentioned earlier about some of that size. I don't know that Protus is necessarily going to be someone that's that's dropping mitts and, and filling that kind of role, but uh, the guy's as big as a house and he's not afraid to go along the boards. And I think one of the things that I, I think the thing I like most about his game where again, a guy who we didn't expect to see a lot here in Washington last year, but with all the injuries this team had, he played a decent amount, especially in the first half. I think if that physical game is needed and you're looking at a spot for him on the right side and, you know, I, I, it's a lot. I mean, there's, you know, there are some times, I mean, I can think through the course of my time here in a dozen years now where you come to camp and you'd say, okay, there's really not many jobs here. I mean, you know what the lineup's going to be on opening night. And for the guys who are coming in as, as draft picks and guys from Hershey, you knew they really weren't making the team. I don't think that's the case now. I think you've got guys, you, as you say, that can challenge. I think you've got guys that can play in different positions. I think that you've got a lot of veterans here and it might make it tough on the kids, but maybe that's a good thing. They can work for it. And maybe they show that they can, uh, they can find a way into the lineup and stay there. So I think when we get to camp, I mean, I, I, the, even the, the skating drills and just looking at the size of guys and seeing, you know, what does, what's Connor McMichael look like after an off season in the weight room. And, you know, what does Hendricks LaPierre look like when he's not playing against other draft picks and kids, he's playing against men and NHLers and, you know, these are all part of the the questions we'll be looking at by the time we get to the end of September. All right. So we, we've spent some time talking about the Capitals. Let's talk a, a little bit about you here um, in your career. I mean, it's been going kind of crazy if you think about it. I remember you doing broadcast for the Hershey Bears and uh, you've been the play-by-play for the Capitals for many years. But things have really exploded. Uh, you were involved with the Olympics. Um, you were in, you're involved with, uh, doing play-by-play on, on the television, um, on NBC sports, Washington, just t- talk to us a little bit about that, that your career, um, just kind of really impressive. I got to be honest with you. you. know, like I say, originally I heard you, uh, on the bears back in the day and just kind of slowly working your way up. What is your master plan? Are you trying to take over Joe B's job at some point? <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that, but I, it's been a fun run. I mean, uh, I, I always wanted to do this job and I, I grew up in Minnesota. A lot of, it's funny. A lot of people think I grew up here, but I, I, I didn't, I, I've been in around and affiliated with the Capitals dating back to 2005. But uh, prior to that, I mean, I was a North stars fan as a kid. I grew up around college hockey in Minnesota and Miami university where I went to school. And I've 
had a lot of opportunities. I mean, some that I, I knew that I wanted, but I, and others that I, I never even dreamed of. I never dreamed of doing the Olympics once, let alone twice. And being able to do for the first time uh, in Beijing I with Team USA, I got to do the men's team for the first time, which as someone who grew up with Miracle on Ice is really being my first hockey memory. I was seven then, but I, it's, you know, I remember the buzz and what it felt like. I didn't fully understand it until I was older. But to be able to, to call the men's team was amazing. And to be able to be you know, intimately involved with women's hockey and the growth of the sport. And I, honestly, I have, I think, more fun at the Olympics calling the women's games than the men. Uh, Team USA and Team Canada is one of the greatest rivalries in sports. And to be able to be around that, and I got to call a lot of Team Canada's games this past year, I think all but two. And just a tremendous caliber of hockey to be able to be involved with that has been one of the highlights of my career. And, and as you said, I mean, I, I, it wasn't under the greatest of circumstances. Joe B got sick here and I ended up doing game six on television, uh, which uh, working with Craig Lachlan, I, it's funny, you're friends with someone for years and years and years and just eating dinners together and traveling together, but I'd never actually done a game with him before. And I had the best time. Locker is so much fun to work with and he's so prepared and you know what? I, it's funny because everybody thinks of him as, you know, they, the guy he jokes around and he laughs and, and, and all the stuff he does on the show. But I, he is as well prepared as anybody I've ever worked with. And he made it so easy for me just to step in and all the crew at NBC Sports Washington, Ryan Billy and all of his technical crew. Uh, that, that was a weird couple of days to be sure to, you know, at that moment of the year, Zach Fish came up and did a great job from the Bears and filled in and and got his first Stanley Cup playoff game under his belt, too, as it turned out. So uh, it, it was great. It's been a great ride. I love Washington. I love living here. It's my favorite city I've ever lived in. Uh, it's just been a great ride. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the one thing that, that you know, I, I think that a lot of Capitals fans take for granted is the A-list, A-list broadcasters. Uh, we have John Walton, you do in the play-by-play. Uh, on the radio side, we have, you know, uh, Ben and Adi and Lachlan doing that. It's just really top, top of the line. And if you watch a lot of the other broadcasters, um, let's just say they're not as good. So just really lucky in the Washington area. So just a question that I've always wanted to know is that I listen to you talk right now in your voice. And I also uh, saw the Rangers play-by-play guy. The ability to take your voice from zero to 100 um, without blowing it out has to be a skill. Um, I was watching this uh, thing on the NHL network with the, the guy that does play-by-play for the Rangers, just a really quiet guy. But then all of a sudden someone scored a goal and he just like blew up. I noticed the same thing with you. Most notably, uh, we will always remember your call of the Washington Capitals winning the 2018 Stanley Cup. Um, you hear it all the time, your voice. What is that like to go from zero to 100? I'm sure over the years you've uh, you know had your practice doing it, but it is most impressive. If I did that right now, I think I would be without a voice for a while. It has to be a skill that you have to hone over time. Well, it's harnessing vocal energy and being able to keep it at a range. And, you know, it's an emotional game. So I think early on in my career, I wasn't as good at that and had to learn that part of it over time. Otherwise, you're you know, every game is not a game seven of the Stanley Cup finals. So, but having said that, your voice also tracks not just what you say, but in how you say it. And inflection means a lot. So if you're not watching, if you're only listening and you're not watching, you know, when the puck enters the zone, you know, 
if it's a legit scoring chance, there's an elevation that goes along with that. I, you want to try and tell the story with your voice, but not always exactly with what you're saying. Word economy is important in hockey. You've got to be able to say a lot in three or four words sometimes. And, you know, you hope that you do the best you can and you hope you convey it, you know, every night the best you know how and the people appreciate it and understand what's happening if they can't be there. Uh, but I think that's what drives the bus. I mean, you want to be able to, you know, you, you can't be excited all the time, but you've got to be able to, you know, be excited at the right moments. And if you can convey that and convey how fun it is to be at a hockey rink, Mike Emmerich used to say stuff like that all the time, like this, he'd stop in the middle of a show and say, isn't this fun? And it is. And I, I think that's just the perfect way to bring people in and just say, you know what, you should be here because this is a really great place to be and going to a Capitals game is, and, and in this town, I mean, right now, arguably the most popular team in town and to be able to, over the course of the last 15 years, to have the greatest goal scorer in the history of the game, as far as I'm concerned, uh, playing, lacing them up here every night. Uh, that's a privilege. Uh, the, that is probably the biggest of my career. I can't imagine that ever getting topped. Right, John, once again, thank you for joining us on this edition of Locked On Capitals. Just a real honor to get a chance to meet you. Uh, I actually met you down at, it was called Kettler at the time. Uh, for my 40th birthday, and you were very nice enough to uh, to talk with me for a brief period. But, John, uh, thank you once again for joining us on this edition of uh, Locked On Capitals, and I would really like to uh, talk to you again sometime. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me, and uh, let's go Caps. Have a great rest of the summer. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Locked On Capitals, your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Locked On NHL. Locked On experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world. Locked On NHL, your daily 30-minute podcast. So once again, thank you for joining me on this edition of Locked On Capitals, and I'll talk to you next time.